Welcome to Lorehammer Listener Lore, the Warhammer 40k podcast where you get to write the script. If you would like to submit your story, you can email lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support the show and maybe even jump your story in the line, or maybe even read stories with me, or maybe you have a story you would like to read to me, head on over to Patreon at Lorehammer Listener Lore and check out all the cool ways to get involved and support the show. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to another episode of Lorehammer Listener Lore, the 40k podcast where you guys get to write the script. Hey everybody, I'm your host Mark and joining me this time is Christian. Hey. Hey, long time uh, listener, first time fake mm-hmm. caller. Yeah, well dredging you back up from the abyss, so. <laughs> Thanks for finally letting me out of the cage. <laughs> <laughs> now get to work. Uh, today we got a funny story. Uh, it's interesting because me and you have been brainstorming for like the last maybe three or four weeks about this specific Space Marine chapter. And then I go to open up an email, read some lore, and it's like, hey, this son of a bitch stole our idea. Every time they steal our ideas. Yeah. So yeah, it hasn't even been that long. I think it's only been like a couple of weeks we've been discussing it. So. Yeah, but from what I've, I, I haven't read it, but from the overview, it's like that is bang on what we uh, we're talking about. So we're going to read his lore, maybe steal some stuff, but we'll mostly just make fun of it and tell him how he should have done it our way. Yeah, done it better. Yeah, <laughs> uh, should be fun. So this episode is called the Aquamarines and I'll take it away and we'll just see where it takes us. The Aquamarines symbol, a golden trident battle cry from the depths comes your doom founding 21st founding successor legion ultramarines chapter master Nero Cambrian homeworld uh, hydrozo hydro Hydrozon, Speciality, Undersea Combat, Amphibious Assaults, Colors, Aqua. The Aquamarines defend the oceans of the Imperium from all manner of threats. They rise from the depths to vanish the foes of of humanity and return to the underwater where their enemies lie beaten before them. Uh, Though their gene seed is flawed, they hold the hearts of heroes. Gene Seed Mutations The gene seed for the aquamarines was highly corrupted to the point where it was initially thought to be completely unsuitable for space marines. The gene seed for the aquamarines was multiple organs which are heavily altered. The osmodula of the aquamarines is unusual, allowing them to collapse the ribcage when exposed to extreme pressure. This allows an aquamarine to dive to a depth of more than 3,000 meters without suffering ill effects, even when not wearing power armor. The hymestamin... Amastamin? Yeah, we'll it's go. Or- <laughs> a marine organ. In the aquamarines alters their blood flow to carry oxygen more efficiently, just as, as it is intended to do. However, the aquamarine hamestamin also prevents bubbles from forming in the bloodstream when pressure abruptly changes, effectively making the aquamarines immune to the bends. The multi-lung of the aquamarines is severely mutated, only truly able to breathe water. 
An aquamarine can breathe air for a few hours, but the cells in an aquamarine lungs are highly inefficient at absorbing oxygen from air. Aquamarines continuously train to overcome this mutation. A common training exercise among the aquamarines is to enter a waterless environment and see for how long one can manage to fight before running back into the water. Aquamarine power armor comes equipped with a water circulation system, allowing them to breathe normally on land so long as they keep their helmets on. But sergeants always ensure their squad remains safely close to the shore. The layman's ear of an, of an aquamarine is incredibly effective underwater, allowing an aquamarine to hear even slight noises from more than a kilometer away. It is far less effective above the water, to the point where the aquamarines are somewhat hard of hearing. Numerous aquamarines wear hearing aids when outside the water. The aquamarine melanochrome changes color in response to the pressure of the atmosphere. In near vacuum, an aquamarine is ghostly pale, while the deepest depths of the ocean, their skin is black as squid ink. The aquamarine's mucronoid covers their skin in a thin layer of translucent mucus that prevents moisture loss giving them a slimy appearance. This mucus is very smooth, almost frictionless, allowing the aquamarines to swim more swiftly. This also makes them highly vulnerable to dry heat, and exposure to fire can render the aquamarine helpless if outside their power armor. History. The aquamarines were created in the 21st founding, along with numerous other chapters. Initially thought to be a failure, they were going to be purged by the Inquisition but were spread due to the misfiled paperwork, or spared due to the misfiled paperwork. They were deposited on a death world, Hydroxon, a world whose surface is 90% ocean and filled with horrific sea monsters. The Aquamarines devoted centuries to fighting off these horrific monsters alongside the abhuman inhabitants of the planet. On occasion, the Aquamarines would send a group of space marines to assist on the planet, but the expense of carrying through, uh, carry enough water to sustain them along with the limited use of outside of the their limited use outside of the water made it not worth the hassle but the aquamarines soon found themselves highly valued in the first tyrannic war the aquamarines were instrumental in holding off splinter fleets in the oceans of several planets waging wars among kelp forests and coral reefs though the aquamarines never fought on a grand scale of their success Though the Aquamarines never fought on the grand scale of their successor chapter, the Ultramarines, their actions saved hundreds of thousands of lives and prevented the Tyranids from devouring all the organic biomass in several planets. Stories are still told in the grand underwater cath cathedrals of Hydroxon about the heroic deeds of the Aquamarines in this era. Since then, the Aquamarines have been sworn have been a sworn enemy of all aquatic tyranid biomorphs, waging a quiet undersea war against the foul Xenos. Wherever signs of the tyranid infestations are apparent, the commanders of the Imperium call upon the Aquamarines to dive beneath the waters and slay the beasts. And while the tyranids are the most hated of the Aquamarines' foes, they are not limited to the bugs. Aquamarines have annihilated orcs in the seas of Armageddon, sinking battleships and sending thousands of orcs to a watery grave. They have clashed against the rotting nurgles of polluted lakes and made water run red with the blood of Chaos Cultists. However, the Aquamarines have refused to fight the Tau. During the Second Tyrannic War, the Tau world of Cavareum called for the aid against the splinter fleet of the Hive Fleet Kraken. Eager to once again do battle with their sworn enemies, several dozen new Aquamarine commanders commandeered a vessel and joined the Tau in the fight against the Swarm. 
working alongside Tau soldiers in amphibious battle suits. The Tyranids were eventually halted. Though the Aquamarines were severely punished for acting without orders, this event led to the Chapter Master Cambrios declaring that no Aquamarine would fight a Tau except in defense. This attitude was likely shaped by the numerous uh, Plegir abhumans on Hydroxon, many of whom had cooperated many of whom had cooperated and fought alongside the Aquamarines on previous occasions. Chapter Master Cambrios hated... Well, Chapter Master Cambrios himself stated, I have been told to kill the mutant, yet they have shown centuries of friendship. I have been told to purge the Xenos when they have given my sons nothing but thanks. I would gladly destroy that which is evil, that which is cruel, but that which brings pain. I will not harm a thinking creature for a crime of being different. To do so would be hypocrisy of the highest order. This led to the Inquisition thoroughly investigating the Aquamarines. It was decided, albeit reluctantly, that the Aquamarines would be permitted to live. This was partly in defense to the Chapter Master's impeccable record, but primarily because hunting down space marines at the bottom of the oceans was nearly impossible. <laughs> the Aquamarines... Uh, have continued to do battle in oceans across the galaxies and have vowed to fight against the enemies of mankind until the last drop of water dries up. Organization. The Aquamarines are a Codex compliant in most regards. They religiously memorize chapters from the Codex and decorate their armor just as the Codex dictates. But the Aquamarines have chosen to expand their numbers beyond that of a mere 1,000 space marines. Having decided that only they could be trusted to guard the oceans of the Imperium from chaos, tyranids, and orcs, Chapter Master Cambrios increased the production of new aquamarines. Thousands of children died in the trials to find worthy candidates, but this was seen as a necessary evil. When a company was deemed ready, they were dispatched to a world with broad tracts of vulnerable ocean, with standing orders to produce more aquamarines as needed. After all, the presence of tyranids made warp travel difficult, sometimes even impossible. The Aquamarines would be the, the sentinels of the oceans, watching and waiting for when the wild Xenos invaded. Combat. Though they still love their brothers, the Aquamarines find nothing more satisfying and honorable than meeting an opponent face to face. Love their bolters. Sorry. <laughs> that leads, that's a very different. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <erotic> chapter. <laughs> uh. Power swords especially are favored among the marines of this chapter. Close combat duels in waterless chambers are a common training exercise. Aquamarine bolters use blasts of compressed air to propel the bolts, providing less range but allowing them to work even underwater. When using bolters, aquamarines favor massed firepower on key targets. Centuries of battling tyranids have fought, has taught them that the larger the enemy, the quicker it should be dispatched. Two squadrons often work in concert with one another, one squadron moving a horde while another dispatching a tank or monster. A particular feature to note on aquamarine armor is jet turbines, allowing them to travel through the water with extreme speed. This grants excellent mobility in the water, but can be cumbersome on land. Aquamarines do not use flamers even on land, as many of the space marines in this chapter have severe pyrophobia. In combat, aquamarines can often be distracted by soldiers wielding flames. The Aquamarines will frequently focus their efforts on destroying the source of the flames, even ignoring key objectives in the battlefield. 
As such, aquamarines find salamanders and sisters of battle to be terrifying and have never fought alongside them in the history of the chapter. Aquamarines often cooperate with troops of the Astra Militara, providing support and assistance to boats and submarines. When the two work together, a favorite tactic is for the guard to focus on long-range bombardment while the aquamarines focus on melee. Aquamarines are also well known for their amphibious assaults, clearing a way for the Imperial Guard to establish a beefhead, and the commanders of the Imperial Guard have always known to listen to the tactical advice of an aquamarine. Nobody knows how to fight on the water quite like they do. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. So this was very cool, Laura. You have talked about naval combat in 40k for the longest time and you've talked about different board ideas on how you do it Let, let's maybe start with some huger context of naval naval battle yeah i uh i just read a, a reddit thread recently that kind of re-triggered all these thoughts i had in the past um but i thought about it for a while and how stupidly underutilized uh marine combat is in 40k and I've even heard or discussed with other people or seen other conversations where people are like, oh, you know, water worlds, like we can just ignore them or bypass them and stuff. But water worlds would be such a, like they could be a huge resource boon for any faction. I think. Yeah. Like even not just fresh just water. Like, yeah. yeah. Water itself would be a crazy resource. Yeah. Not to mention everything. Like even in our own world, how many resources are underwater that we just can't access due to our limited technology. But yeah. in 40K, you know, you could make whatever BS science excuse to, you know, create a city underwater or have some special way to extract resources from underwater. Yeah. And so that would make like the entire plane of, of ocean combat viable. Plus you'd have like worlds that are islands, worlds that, you know. Yeah. So there, there's a, I think it's just a terribly underutilized environment that could open up the gate for all, like every faction could have a cool uh, marine version and when I say marine, I mean like aquatic version of, of themselves. Like imagine, yeah, like water-based tyrannids yeah. or like orc boats or chaos marines that mimic aquamarines, right? Or mutated yeah, by chaos like in some way that's to adapt the, to their underwater environment. I feel like that's the thing we see the most of is like, or really the only interpretation is uh, orc boats. We see a lot of those orc submarines or orc battleships and, uh, yeah. but that's it. That's ever it. Yeah, but every faction could have a water component, which think of like the revenue for GW to have <laughs> water versions of everything they have on land. You could have a flooded tomb world. You could have, we have uh, examples even of Tau underwater cities where they have like a research facility and actually Space Marines attack it, which we'll discuss here in a minute. Yeah. But yeah, like every major faction could have an aquatic component. Imagine uh, Exodites riding like giant squids like, uh, or like, uh, what do you call them? Eels, like the uh, yeah. Warhammer Age of Sigmar guys, right? You could just rip them off even. Yeah, yeah, like exactly. Every faction could have have a marine component. So, yeah, that's my the first thing. It is, it is stupidly underutilized. There are 101 reasons to be able to fight on an ocean world. And uh, 
and even like some of the board concepts I've come up with to fight at different levels because you have kind of like three levels of ocean combat you have like surface level so you're talking like surface boats fighting each other and then you could have like in the mid range of water where you have like people who swim so like dive combat divers and submarines and then you could have like ocean floor combat with guys like on the bottom of the ocean duking it out so yeah. even like it, it just changes imagine like a 3d space you're fighting in now versus a lateral flat plane so yeah. it just opens up like so many like cool unique gaming experiences too on the tabletop um yeah. how i would do that would be through setting up like tiers of clear panes of like plastic so you'd have like your ocean floor, which would be the board. And then you set up like a tower essentially of clear plastic. So you have your yeah. surface level stuff on the on the very top. And then how, however deep you want to go with it, you could have like just three layers or you could make it as complicated as you want. Um, yeah, I, I've given this a lot of thought for a long time. So yeah, it would be such a cool thing uh, to just fight on multi layers like that. And you would like yeah. be able to move in between levels and... Yeah, you could do the same thing too for void combat, by the way. Yeah. Have that like 3D fighting in that 3D space instead of the just a 2D plane. So Yeah. Yeah. So jumping to this guy's lore, I it's interesting how close he came to some of the things we talked about, but then how very different he did in other things. Um, one thing we never talked about, but he did really well was the use of all the gene seed that he implemented. Yeah. Um, so on the on the one, so I'll start with my my biggest criticism of this piece of lore is that it's got like really high high and really low lows. I think mm. it's very extreme in a lot of areas because Marines are surprisingly adapted to water uh, already. They have a lung that allows them to actually breathe water, it, it, like that's in the lore already. Yeah. Um, I do like that he accounts for the bends and having like depth diving and stuff. And I do like that he thought of and adapted these organs, but I don't think it's necessary because at least the way that he executed it, it seems like they have a lot of like on land, they're freakish monstrosities that are very like crippled that they're not even able to be on land. I don't think that's necessary to have an aquatic based chapter. Yeah. Um, it could be that he's thinking like, well, he needs them to be most of the time underwater on a water world. So, like, if you're going to spend most of your time underwater, then, yeah, you, like, adapt to your environment. But I don't see any reason why they couldn't have, like, a, a submerged fortress monastery, sure. but still breathe air and exist like a regular marine without being, like, slimy and hearing aids and, like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe he went a bit far with it. He did make it in the 21st founding, so it's just, like, you know, they were doing wacky experiments then, and it just got a little carried away. Yeah, it's definitely justifiable within the lore. I just don't yeah. know if I like that take, necessarily. Yeah, yeah it's not the route I would necessarily go, but it's definitely, it gave me a lot of different things to think about, of, like, yeah. how you would kind of make different gene seed tweaks. And I feel like, man, like, you asked me eight years ago before call came out about tweaking gene seed. I'd be like, Oh man, that's heretical adding a gene seed organ or anything. But now I feel like we could come up with like an additional, maybe not gene seed organ, but another type of implant that we can give them or something that kind of just, it, it's a crazy world of 40 K now. I, I don't know. I, he only added three new organs that are like documented. 
I think going the route with mutation is a better route instead of introducing new things. Hey man, get with the times and get out. <laughs> I'm not primary to the wave of the future. The, the Imperium is not very progressive. Yeah, um, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. I I just I I would lean more on yeah, like things being freak accidents than like intentionally doing things. You know. Yeah. Hey man, in in the good old days of 40k for sure, but I don't think that's the direction we're getting. We're getting new layman rust battle tanks. We're getting new <laughs> all types of things. Like the Imperium Endurance. has changed. You know, the Imperium's producing again. So, yeah, good, good for them. Good for the war machine. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> um, this guy had a pretty cool history. It was cool that he had like a sworn enemy with the Tyranids and kind of found his own niche there with the army. Um, yeah. I did find it humorous that they are sympathetic to the Tau who are often associated with fish. Uh, <laughs> although I wouldn't necessarily also go that far with it either. Maybe I wouldn't yeah. make them not fight. He, I feel well, like I... they're try trying to make them like good guys still. Like, oh, you know, we would never do some this unjustifiable thing. Yeah. I'm just on like, the, on the one hand, really... I get it though. So they're on a planet with ab humans. Like, who probably but ab humans are already in 40k like augrens fight alongside the guard rattlings fight alongside the guard yeah and there are oh, fish that is... and stuff but it's just like man yeah. this fish person looks nothing like like me and then you go meet a tower and you're like man this guy looks nothing like me i could see how it could kind of just be like these outcasts there's things. a logical prophet yeah and, and you know he he got his pp smacked by the inquisition a sure little. yeah if, if you paint them like yeah they're outcast banning things like that. yeah, yeah. Not, again, not my favorite, yeah. but you can get away with it. It's not like, no, that would never happen or it's impossible. That does, um, do you know if the, what did he call them? Polygons? Um, yeah, what did he call them? Is that a thing that he made up for this or is that already a thing that exists? Because I've never heard of it before. But I also wouldn't be surprised if it was a thing, just like humans adapted to water. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll try to find that out. Yeah, like, because there's so many ab humans out there, like, you can make yeah. one. Yeah, so. and in theory, yeah, you can make make yeah. one up and, like, no one could bat an eye at it. Yeah. Um, which I, I also, I'm okay with. Um, again, I don't think, like, they're almost become so niched as a whole that I don't necessarily think, like, okay, take Black Templar, for example. Or they might not be the best example, but okay, Imperial Fists, who are known for building fortress, it doesn't mean that they're useless in every other form of combat. Yeah. You know, like if an Imperial Fist is going to be a sniper, if he's going to be a melee guy, he's still going to be a space marine in all those other categories. Yeah. Yeah. So, like pigeonholing your whole chapter to exclusively fight in water, water can be their speciality. Water can be like 99% of what their operations consist of because the Imperium maybe lacks so much in the naval category, which is something else I'm going to get back to in a second. But it doesn't mean they have to be confined to that environment or that speciality, yeah. which is something I don't really I, care for. Yeah, I like it because it's just kind of a downside. You know, it's just, you know, I just like that third edition Space Marine Codex where it's like you pick two pros and you pick a downside, you know. And the more yeah. pros you pick, the more downsides you pick. And yeah, and that's a fair way to balance it. But still, that's so yeah. confining. And so I yeah. think I feel like it's unspace brain, like to be so pigeonholed that you can't do anything else. Sure. Like always remember, space brains are going to be the best at whatever they do, regardless of what it is. Yeah. Uh, 
and then they on top of that they specialize in whatever category yeah fair enough um overall but, I, I enjoyed it uh i i enjoyed most of it there's some parts that just hit right other parts are like okay um you have any other thoughts about it yeah like i said high highs low lows um yeah. i did come up with a very similar battle cry um his was oh, you have yeah. it in there. i do uh, his was from the depths comes your doom. Yeah, that's fucking sweet. Yeah. And the one I wrote was um, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was something like from the deep to like from the deep to the void or something like that to give that idea of like coming from the oceans out into space. Cool. Uh, so it was kind of funny that we had like very similar battle cries. Yeah. Um, the chapter symbol being a golden trident. Uh, <laughs> so you and I, when we were discussing our version of the Aquamarines we well it was your idea to give them the size so i was looking for a greek alphabet i didn't know if i wanted them to be styled more roman or greek um both have like strong naval traditions and then even you mentioned the british empire too which would be fair but i wouldn't know how to wrap that into a 40k context yeah yeah uh but we decided on the psi greek letter alpha of the greek letter alphabet which looks like a trident so we were even we were like going for that same kind of theme yeah i think another cool symbol would be like a if you watch Game of Thrones, um, I forget the house, but they have a sigil that's like a squid. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like a cool like kraken or squid type symbol might be good for like a an aquatic chapter. Yeah. Um, um, do we want to talk about the chapter we kind of come up came up with, kind of the bare bones we came up with? Yeah, we. It's not very in depth. Actually, I have a couple other comments if I can. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. The piece. Um. So one thing also kind of that ties into what I was saying about Marines being overly specialized, they're always shock troops for bigger forces. Like the Imperium, 99% of the combat is being pulled by the guard with like Marines hitting key priority strategic objectives. Yeah. And I think the same would be true for aquatic environments. So even though you have this Marine chapter that's aquatically based, and I do like that he incorporated this, they would, they would be supported very heavily by Imperial Guard, especially yeah. if you open up the whole realm of water worlds and the plethora of water worlds. Yeah. Um, you'd have lots of guardsmen, which again, like room for cool ad adaptation for regiments. You have like big battleships, you know, mid-range submarines and combat divers. And then like, yeah, total underwater submersibles. Yeah. Like driving on the ocean floor. Yeah. Like, man, there's so many different styles of regiments that you could do. Like, you know, there's like the deep ocean, uh, you know, with the big, helmet and like the drill arm yeah, like the 18th stuff. century like big daddy type yeah 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 you know you could obviously go that road or more like sci-fi one but like yeah there's so many cool different options uh for regiments yeah. and yeah um and then the other thing i was gonna say about the power armor he mentioned that it was customized to, to the required environment um and we kind of discussed if our marines their backpacks would be modified i was just thinking Again, I like to, yeah, they have a niche, but also have them adaptable to be space marines wherever they might find themselves. Yeah. Um, I maybe wouldn't have gone as far as modifying the backpacks, but it is definitely something I considered of like having like purpose built aquatic, you know, um, propel like a way to propel yourself in the water. Um, but I, I feel like you could just use the excuse, which they use in space as well, as they just vent from the back vents. Yeah, and like in the void, they could use that as like a directional thrust. Yeah, and in water, you know, in theory, 
I'm not going to do the science on how much thrust you would need to propel like how much need a lot more though, than water. In space. Yeah, <laughs> more than than zero, but yeah. Um, so that was kind of my thing is like I I settled on not going that avenue, although it is a cool avenue to consider. And then again, you could have Terminators with that big daddy aesthetic. You could have yeah. you know, mid range Marines with cool aquatic backpacks that kind of like scoot them around. Yeah. Um. So I, I do like that he also considered the power armor aspect. That also yeah. being said, um, that story I mentioned early on about the Tau having an underwater city. There's a there's a story, a short story in I think a Tau Codex, or is it a Space Wolves Codex? It's in a codex somewhere. It's just a very short snippet where Space Marines are assaulting an underwater Tau facility, and they just load up in land raiders that are airtight and Terminator armor and just let themselves drop to the bottom of the ocean and then just like walk <laughs> towards the Tau city underwater and just start fighting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so there's something to be said to you for that. Like space Marines do technically have an adaptability to fight underwater. Yeah. And it's very, and it's very Imperium to be just like this sledgehammer. They're like, okay, just drop into the ocean and we'll just fight them from the, from the depths of the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I there, think having listened to you like say all this, I think I'm on your side about the heavy handedness of these gene seed mutations. I thought they were cool at first, but like there's so many things that, yeah, you're right. Like they, a standard space Marine already can just stomp around in the ocean all day long. A standard yeah. space Marine could take off his helmet in the ocean and breathe, and water, breathe. you know, yeah. like, yeah yeah and then it also like compounds itself because then it's like yeah. oh well it's too hard to get them in the water you know if yeah. they wanted to actually you could do anything if, uh, from virus bombing the planet to like dropping two other chapters underwater and they just do the same yeah exactly so the problem just compounds itself when you yeah go like the full like i said high highs and low lows like i really yeah. like some of the ideas some of the ideas i'm like kind of like uh, totally unnecessary and kind of breaks yeah yeah, like it was cool that he like explained his bolter shells. You know, he's like, yeah, they yeah. are air filled bolter shells. You know, it'd be cool to come up with a bolter round name for that. Um, yeah, like have like a shells. specific style. <laughs> yeah, and then so yeah, soft shell. Um, there are, I don't know, there must be. Um, I mean, there's air rifles in real life. They're they're not as effective, obviously, as gunpowder based weapons. Uh, and in Halo, I believe the sniper rifle is like supposed to be compressed air of some variety. So, like hmm. in a fancy sci-fi sci-fi universe, you could justify like those bolters being effective out of water too. Yeah. Um, but maybe they're more suited or more adapted to aquatic environments, right? Yeah. They're more effective, uh, but it's not that they're totally useless on land either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you could like justify the tech. I think I'm more okay with like tech variation, which is kind of funny. Yeah. You don't consider an advancement in tech. Just say like, it's always been here. It's just not utilized all that much. Yeah. And like, uh, you know, different little types of ammunition, you know, there's a million planets in the Imperium. You can find the ammo you're looking for. Yeah. Somebody will make it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I had another point too, that kind of fell out of my brain, but Yeah. <laughs> yeah there's a lot like you can tell like i've done a lot of thinking on yeah 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 no this was this was very interesting lore it gave me some good ideas some couple oh yeah that's the right track and can, a couple yeah. things to stay away yeah and for sure like i do appreciate the thought like he goes into justifying it like yeah. it all is cohesive it's not like yeah something that comes out of nowhere and is like well that doesn't really tie into any 
of your other yeah. themes or ideas. It's just there. Like he does tie it all together and has good rationale at least for it. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um okay, do we want to just talk a bit about the chapter we came up with or coming up with? Yeah. So yeah, you, you very uh, much are ultramarine successes as well. And we were kind of thinking like, yeah, so the ultramarines are very much like Roman based. That we were kind of thinking, yeah, do we want to make them like the Roman? But it kind of seems like we're going a little more like Greek Navy. Yeah. And I also struggle with that, too, because you also have a naval adjacent chapter in the what is it? The Iron Serpents or. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Iron Snakes. Iron snakes. Yeah. yeah, I can't remember what they're called, but they have a very strong Greek aesthetic. Yeah, and they're like they're not quite aquatic, but they are aquatic adjacent. Let's say. Yeah, yeah. So they I didn't want to like lean... into the ocean to hunt. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I didn't want to go too heavy in that direction either, just because something already exists like that. I um, think it's fine, just because like I, it's a different concept of a chapter, you know, like. The, the one's land one sea we can stylize it differently um yeah like the kind the of color picture, schemes would be different yeah i kind of picture the majority of the chapter either wearing like the heaviest armor like terminator armor gravis armor or like light phobos armor um you know they're on boats battleships are wearing lighter stuff but then you also got the guys that like yeah just jump off the ship and do sink to the bottom or whatever just sink to the bottom yeah yeah, the heavy um, big daddy types. Yeah. yeah, and like even just like I'm really on a green stuff binge, so I would go and I would green stuff, green stuff the leather tassels off of you know their waist. I'd give them a full kind of skirt, and then kind of off their shoulder pads as well, so that Phobos armor looks a little beefier. Still looks kind of you know. Yeah. Would you give them like the hoplite style helmets? Um, I would definitely give them the helmet plumes, but. I don't know how far into the helmets I would go. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where eventually you reach that point where it's just like, <laughs> why don't you just go play some historical Greeks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but like the leather tassels and stuff like that already exists. And like, you can, yeah, it's already a thing with some of those kind of things. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and to be honest, like when I picture this, I actually picture more like firstborn Marines, just i guess maybe because the idea is that old in my mind that that's always what i just pictured but i never considered them through the primaris lens and in that like i do like your kind of like vision of like the lighter phobos types and then also the heavy aggressor types yeah uh, but you could still do a similar thing with scouts and tactical armor and then like terminators too if you think yeah. of it in the old classic marine aesthetic yeah for sure um and yeah definitely on the the termies or aggressors, I would, I would model that big daddy style kind of deep dive helmet, maybe like massive drill in one hand is like a chain fist or something, and they just like breach <laughs> submarines, yeah, and uh, and underwater cities and stuff, and underwater tomb worlds, yeah. Like, the, there's a whole vibe there. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't even know where else we even kind of took the lore, but like, we just thought we wanted to go Greek with it, <laughs> yeah. I will say too, like I have been sympathetic to the uh um what are the Maori inspired void sharks? Carcharodons. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And they like I've seen some cool third party pieces of theirs that have like nets 
hanging off of like their shoulders and like off their legs mm. and that gives like a very cool like aquatic theme but then then the, you're leaning like stronger into that like maui yeah. um mar yeah like that yeah. kind of aesthetic which isn't necessarily what i had in mind but it does work for an aquatic based chapter as well yeah. except also now the boy charts already kind of laid claim to that kind yeah. of style so um you don't so want to like just mimic them either yeah a cool bit to use is uh the phobus armor guys with the skull rebreathers the, the reavers yeah. uh they have those grappling hooks so you know you you oh yeah fucking harpoon guns where they're shooting them across yes i could even see the pieces um you'd rip off the harpoons and some of those uh tools off of the uh fantasy dwarves I forget what they yeah, call yeah yeah the, the, the ones that float the overlords or whatever yeah 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 yeah, yeah caradon overlords yeah yeah they have like some pretty massive harpoon guns it's like a big heavy harpoon and then you have the smaller hook guns and they just like go full pirate and like board enemies <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, that, yeah, that, like, yeah. Just imagine all the things you could do with like aquatic environments. Think of like Waterworld, like uh, an apocalyptic, like sumpy, like hive city kind of built on the ocean. Like, oh, maybe they flooded their planet or some crazy disaster happened, right? Like, yeah. Well, I, I, so... I yeah. think this kind of makes me want to do the call out to everyone listening. Like, send us in some more naval variants of your idea of what that looks like in 40k do you have a cool xenos maybe that lives there or whatever um yeah cool we'll send that into lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com you can also support the show on patreon through lorehammer listener lore or, or give me a one-time donation there's links in the description below uh christian thanks for joining me yeah anytime man um as long and... as you get three years in advance <laughs> yeah okay back to the bits now with you <laughs> adios Thanks for listening. If you would like to submit your story, you can email lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our Patreon page and support the show at Lorehammer Listener Lore. See you next episode. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.